the Pro Wrestling Stories Podcast. Welcome to the Glorified Tomato Can Podcast. Yeah, there you go. Continuity it from happened. last week. It finally happened. Where's the t-shirt, Corey? Oh, it's coming, baby. And how can you get 10% off a t-shirt, do you think? Well, you could head over to pwsts.com and take 10% oh. off your order using the promo code PODCAST. That's all you need to do. And, of course, you are listening to the Pro Wrestling Stories podcast where we transport you to nostalgic moments of wrestling's past. Of course, you're listening to the show wherever you get them on all major podcast platforms, not to brag, all the apps as well, too. We're there, Corey. We're everywhere. We're in your tomato cans, we're in your workplace, <laughs> your tanning bed. The tanning oh, bed still boy. exists. Is that legal? Yeah, I, I think they're just reopening right about now. So by the time we're recording this, we're in phase two here in Ontario. Okay, yeah. There yeah. you go. I think I think I think tanning beds are part of that. I don't even know if they even still exist in the year 2020. <laughs> I'm not even sure. But. I mean, I like the ultimate vitamin D of the sun. It's beautiful. Heard of it. I've yeah, heard of it. I think yeah. so. But it's going to get to a weird point here because you can't eat inside, but you can eat outside on a patio. And if you don't have a patio, you are shit out of luck. Oh, my goodness. Well, here, here we can already eat inside. We're already eating in places. The bars are open. It's just a regular old day now in Victoria. No kidding. I'm Chris Top Black. He's Corey Rivard, just as a reminder. And with all due respect to Ric Flair, woo, I have long considered... Harley Race, to be arguably the greatest NWA touring champion of all time. Rick would actually agree with that as well, too. Corey, if you had to define Harley Race in one word, what would it be for me? It's easy. Respect. Respect is fair. Uh, I know we've already we've already dulled this one out in an entire podcast to someone who deserved this word. Mm-hmm. But for God's sakes, this guy has his own eye socket story himself. <laughs> uh, so we're going with tough. This is one of the toughest guys ever. Respectful and tough. I think that sums him up real good. Yeah, that absolutely does. He's a bonafide legend. I know that word is thrown around far too often, but it does fit bonafide the bill. Bonafide or legend? Which one? Which word is thrown around? Legend. Ah, uh, legend, yes. <laughs> Bonafide, you don't hear that one thrown around too often, but legend is thrown around all the time because you have WWE legends, WCW legends, ECW legends, etc. But how many truly fit into that category and they deserve it? This is one. This is no one would argue. No. I think that's what makes a legend. No one would argue that they're a legend. God, you hear all the stories about Harley Race and one off the top of my head before we dive into it is the fact he loved to play pool so much so. And also he liked to fight that he would actually walk up to the pool table, knock all the coins off, and say, I've got next. That's a that's a tough man right there. <laughs> and he I was itching for a fight. A mo- I haven't heard a lot of motorcycle stories, and I don't really know where he got his name. Is that where, Do you know anything <laughs> about that? The Harley race situation? Oh, jeez. There you go. But as you alluded to, widely considered to be one of the most legitimately toughest men to ever grace the squared circle, really, I mean, we covered Ming, so we've got Ming, Harley Race, what a one-two combo there. But this is a man who beat polio as a child, survived cancer, plus a near-fatal car crash. Imagine that. I've uh, never done any of those things. That's uh, quite a 3 I've never there. been a child. <laughs> and of course, he packed a hard punch, too. And his voice, so calm, so low-key, was enough to make you tremble in fear. 
mm-hmm. least it did with me. You'd hear them. And I've always said this. If I was in the locker room and Harley Race walked in and I was one, one of the young guns, I'd be like, oh, God, I got to be on my best behavior. I'd be so damn nervous. He even made Andre the Giant nervous. He did. Him he and did. Ming, those are the guys. Ooh, and we'll get to him momentarily. But not only was he tough, as you alluded to, he had a heart of gold. He looked out for his own. They just don't make them like they used to. And these stories will show you why. It's Harley Race, Tales of Tenacity and Strength, author, Pro Wrestling Stories editor, J.P. Zarka. Oh, that guy. Hey, that's a tough guy right there, too. Hey, tough guy. Harley Race, reflecting on his career. Mm. Here's what he has to say. I started in this business when I was 15 years old. I was one of the most fortunate people on earth to do exactly what I love to do all my life. My whole thing in all the years I wrestled was to entertain the people who had paid to see it. As much as my mind and body would allow me to do so to be as good as I could be at doing that. That's what I tried to do my whole career. Very humble statement. 15 years old, though. My God. (laughs) Yeah, early passions. I guess so. His whole life. I mean, what were we doing and, at 15 years old? We were jabronis. Here he is going, yeah, you know, here I am entertaining the audience, giving my, you know, putting my body on the line, giving my everything. It's like, yeah, geez. I'm I was... happy I didn't follow whatever 15-year-old passion I had. <laughs> exactly. That would not have turned out well. All right. Uh, the often quoted Bret Hart's ex-wife, Julie, uh, <laughs> she's what she has to say. This may be the only time we yeah, ever Yeah, I think so. Up, here we go. Uh, she says, nobody likes to shake Harley's hand because he's got the strongest tendons ever known to anyone. Hmm. He could break your hand. <laughs> do, do you know how to do a good Julie impression? <laughs> no. Uh, no, you don't have that. I'll just rip on Vince okay. McMahon backstage during the screw job, and that's my best Julie. <laughs> okay. Okay, perfect. Uh, okay, so he could break your hand with just his handshake. Everyone always shook his hand really gently and not the whole hand. We had a dinner party when the WWE were in town a few years ago and Harley came for dinner. We ran out of ice and Harley drove my sister Michelle and I to the store and it was winter and Michelle had a Bronco and it was really icy. Harley just slapped into four-wheel drive and he was like, I'm going to show you how to drive. Oh my God, what a ride. It was the scariest five minutes of my life. We all know a guy like that, hey? Yes, we do. Guy who likes to show off his maniac driving. So Julie gets back to the house and she says, we get back in the house. The ice seemed like one big block. I swear to God, Harley goes, give me that, sweetheart. I guess you can't say that without sounding like Humphrey Bogart. (laughs) More like a, give me that, sweetheart. Uh, He grabs the bag and he punches it and it shatters. Harley just smashes the whole bag of ice with this one little punch. Jesus. Wow. I've actually heard stories about him driving like a maniac. I believe it may have been Steve Austin, (laughs) maybe Mick Foley. I know he took a liking to both of them in WCW, and they said he would just drive, smoke cigarettes, sometimes drink beer in the car. It was a different time, obviously, back then. I heard an additional part of that. I heard uh, banging a midget. Did you ever hear that one? (laughs) No. (laughs) Driving too fast while drinking uh, and getting pulled over. And uh, banging a midget and the cop recognizing him as Harley Race and letting him go. Jesus, I did a story I, I heard. I, I did a spit take on that legitimately. <laughs> oh, we got a real spit take. Yeah. Finally, dreams do come true. I, that was my 15 year old passion. <laughs> Harley Race slamming Andre the Giant before Hulk Hogan. As we know, Corey, if it happened outside of the realm of WWF, WWE, it never officially happened. It's never recognized by the promotion, right? But we do. We here at Pro Wrestling Stories do. We remember. Well, before Hulk Hogan famously slammed Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3, it was a much smaller... By the way, he was about 6'1", 250 pounds, which is remarkably impressive that he did this. 
It was back in October of 1978, so WrestleMania three, by my estimation, was about March of 1987. So okay. like nine years earlier, he did this. Yeah. And he actually got him up much higher too, like well above his head. Again, 6'1", 250. I cannot stress that enough. Hulk Hogan, what was he? 6'6", probably 300 pounds. Of and course, Andre's wilier 10 years earlier. Yeah. The, the thing though, of course, too, is Andre, he was more agile back then. So he could probably get up a lot easier versus with Hulk. He had the back problems, sure. the surgeries, right? Of course, of course. But if you look at the image, he gets him up above his head. Harley did it much better. And it's hilarious because Jim Ross talked about this, delivering a vertical suplex now to that's Andre more the Giant. To me. That's, that's insane. Yeah, it the, is the insane. Scoop is one thing, but a, a suplex to Andre the Giant. Come on. Or shout out to Stone Cold. He would call it a souple. That's, of course, what Harley Race used as a finisher for a while to show us how souple. different we are, where we have, you know, 19 super kicks don't finish a match, but a suplex. Can finish a match right, back then. Right, yeah. We've come so, a long way. So what Jim Ross had to say was, yeah, that was in Greensboro. That's when Nate went back into the locker room after it was over, and he said, you tell Andre what you're going to do? And Ray said, I told them suplex and watched the body slam. So Andre, you know, big eyes, bushy hair, Harley vertical suplexed Andre. And then he went on to further <laughs> say, Jim Ross, Harley didn't ask for permission from the giant Harley was the godfather. And basically, Andre knew he wasn't boss in that case because that was his famous nickname in the locker room. You know, he's boss. But with Harley, he's not. So Harley would just call anything he wanted. So suplex, body slam, and Andre would do it. He would never plan it ahead of time. Who else would he listen to? No one. My God, that's That's respect. That is respect. That is a man who is a pioneer, paid his dues. And even Andre's saying, I'll take the suplex. Is there imagery of this suplex uh, anywhere? I think you can find it. You can definitely see the imagery of the body slam, which is still remarkable that he has him so high above his head at 6'1". Of course. I'm picturing Lex Luger suplexing <laughs> Yokozuna. Imagine that. Oh. That's something else. <laughs> the entire ring would just collapse, I'm sure. <laughs> something I want to see. My, my dad sent me an email the other day, actually, and he said, Haystacks Calhoun and Andre the Giant were in the ring. Who the hell built that ring? To withstand two giants going toe-to-toe. My heart just exploded that your dad sent you that. Yeah, it's amazing. My God, yeah. that's wonderful. My dad never emails me about wrestling. What does he Come email on, you about? Dad. I don't know. Come back to Winnipeg. Just, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, I need more wrestling emails. My brother and my sister do, so I'll take it. And you do, so that's most important. True. And the fans. Mm. Uh, speaking of legends... Uh, Bob Backlund. I'm oh. personally, I got, I, I love Bob. Do you? Especially yeah. bad Bob, which a lot of people hate. But when Bob turns evil, I love that. I love that era. Yeah. Uh, Bob Backlund on learning from Harley. Harley Race is one of the best performers in the business, and I respected him a lot. He was a great mentor for me. I learned a lot from from him. Uh, before I actually came to the WWF, I beat Harley Race for the NWA Missouri Heavyweight Championship, and that was a catalyst for me as far as getting ahead in the business. When I then won the WWF Championship, Harley Race was the NWA champion at the same time. And we had a 60-minute title versus title match, which ended in a, in a draw. But that was a great match. Yeah, from 1979, I believe Bob Backlund's best performance. You've seen this match, yeah? I have, yeah. Uh, and he was legit back then. I mean, he looked the part as well, too. He was in like incredible shape. I mean, always a dork. Forever a dork. Of course. A, 
But then he, when he uses that to his advantage in the Bret Hart era, which of course is terrible, but just in as a as a fan laughing at him. Uh, but I, wa- I watched a match, and I know they had several. And uh, is this the one that it doesn't end in a draw? It ends in uh, race getting disqualified. Is that the one? I think that may or have been that, that one. one? Th- this one is the one that ends in a draw, though. The one specifically it referenced draw? here. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I couldn't find that one. All right. Well, the other one's good too. The disqualification one. A lot of holds. A lot of holds. Yeah. The, the one thing about Harley Race, with all due respect to him, not the most exciting wrestler. I personally enjoyed his methodical pace, but for anybody who loves modern day wrestling for all the acrobatics, <laughs> they look at that and say, ooh, Harley Race versus Terry Funk, and meanwhile, that's my jam. I love that because oh, that's God, storytelling. It's the, yeah, it's the base layer. That's what it's all made of. Harley Race pulls a gun on Hulk Hogan. Oh, this should be good. This should be good. In the mid-80s, Vince McMahon's WWF went national, threatening the status quo of the wrestling world. Until then, numerous promotions were set up across the country, operating independently under the banner of the NWA. I guess we're going to have to get used to saying that every week, eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when McMahon started airing national WWF shows and touring his troop into the cities normally controlled by these territorial groups, the old guard was none too happy. It wasn't until they toured into the longtime NWA stronghold of Kansas City that it all reached a boiling point. Well, got to protect your territory. Of course. Now, this is fun to picture. Supposedly Hulk Hogan sitting in the dressing room when a local wrestler named Harley Race storms in. <laughs> just Race just, just some guy, up. right? <laughs> just some random guy. Uh, Race walks up to a seated Hogan and punches him, knocking him to the floor. When Hogan sheepishly says that he was surprised, my favorite version of Hogan is sheepish Hogan. Uh, When he says that he was surprised Harley wasn't carrying a gun, Race reaches into his jacket and pulls out a 38 special. Oh, there you go. Nobody got shot, but Race had made his point. Now, I actually heard that uh, this all starts with Hulk Hogan's on a toilet. Uh, and then uh, in the in the bathroom, and someone runs in saying, Harley's "God, that's coming. my worst nightmare." Michael Myers <laughs> showing up at the door, and it's like, "Oh my God, come on, just let me finish first. Harley Race showing up with a gun while I'm in the bathroom. That's up. Uh, Hogan later claims that Race actually tried to burn down the WWF ring, though Race denies it. Uh, like most other regional, that's promoters. ridiculous. By the way, like so he's just gonna <laughs> go over in front of witnesses and say, "I'm burning this down." He's tough and respected, buddy. I can't so. stop that guy. Uh, like most other regional promoters, Race lost a lot of money when the WWF took over. And to make back the money he lost, he ended up going to work for Vince McMahon just a couple of years after the gun incident. That is true, where he was handsome Harley Race, of course, then he was the king, and he was a part of the Bobby Heenan family. The, the king one was kind of like, would you say that's his... It's high point in the WWF. Yeah, definitely. Like I, that's how I became aware of who Harley Race was because I was very young in his heyday, obviously, and I was not even around in his heyday, but I I did see the video of him as handsome Harley Race and, of course, King Harley Race. And does he does he uh, garner the throne from Meng? Is that right? Or is it the other way around? I think he, he gets the crown from uh, Haku. Yes, I believe so. I'd have to go back and, and remember because it felt as though that crown was a hot potato at one point. Because, of <laughs> yeah, course, I mean, Jim Duggan had it. At, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. It's so weird. And then I wish, I wish they still had a crown that was a hot potato. Yeah, that's true. Now they just that have the fair. one that Baron Corbin has. It's, it's way too slick. It's like this nice black crown. But I liked it when, of course, <laughs> it was just with the bells and the whistles. And it was so over-the-top yeah. and gimmicky. I liked that. 
Yeah, yeah. Too big for Duggan's head. That's what I want to see. <laughs> Ho! Uh, Bret Hart on the Harley Race Hulk Hogan encounter. Now, here's the thing, is that a lot of wrestlers have different versions of stories. So we heard one prior to this. Here's what Bret Hart has to say. The rumor has gone around that Harley Race was threatening to show up with a shotgun when WWF mm. came to town. I mean, that's a lot less conspicuous of walking in and saying, what, what are you holding there? It's just a shovel. It's nothing. Don't worry about it. Because, of course, the Missouri Territory was his, and everyone, especially Hogan, was anxious about it. And, of course, you would be. Harley Race is a legitimate badass. And you're thinking, this is a guy who's going to protect his turf by any by means necessary. Yeah. Right? So Harley Race simply walked into the dressing room, held his finger up to his lips, signaling everyone to be quiet he snuck up behind hogan and slapped him as hard as he could on the short ribs Ooh, that's a statement with those strong hands of course and hogan turned around wincing seeing harley he turned white as a ghost of course he was super tanned at the time still his brother and hogan had to be thinking oh my god now what the heck did i do then harley smirked extended his hand in friendship and hogan seemed a little relieved now, that one seems a, a lot lesser than what we just heard previously, where, you know, he pulls I out a 38 special. Same. I believe the other one. Same. Uh, have you heard about this one? This is a famous story, and I think it, unfortunately, says a lot about Honky Tonk Man's character, Wayne, uh, gets it after disrespecting legendary tough guy Harley Race. So here's what happened. This is according to Bret Hart, and this has been said by many individuals. Harley Race ended up in emergency surgery, having a foot and a half of his intestine removed. And then he got served with divorce papers. So Honky made a big mistake when he joked in the dressing room that Harley didn't have any guts anymore. Ooh. That's not a bad joke. That's pretty good. It's kind of funny. I, I guess so. But are you going to say that when Dynamite <laughs> Kid is around to step up? Yeah, yeah. Hell, you got the wrong audience there. Hell yeah, no. Fair. So, of course, Dynamite Kid took exception to this. So he got up, backhanded Honky Tonk right out of his chair. And Honky <laughs> wept like a baby after that pleading for forgiveness. I actually do believe that this occurred because Dynamite was, whew, he was just Equally a spitfire. Better. Yeah, he was. Yeah. We're going to have a Dynamite episode eventually. Oh, God, that's going to be so incredibly entertaining. And plus, I mean, he's an innovator. He's one of the pound-for-pound pound greatest in-ring performers ever. And backstage, pound-for-pound, pound, one of the, the craziest men in the locker room. If you pissed him off, run for your life. Absolutely. I think... Uh... I think the Mountie has a really great story that we'll, we'll get to that Ooh. in another episode, but I think we'll check that on the list, eh? Oh, definitely. All right. Uh, Gary Michael Capetta uh, on Harley Race, a man of hospitality. Uh, Kansas City was always a great place to visit thanks to the hospitality of former NWA world champion Harley Race and his wife, BJ. Their place was a home away from home for barbecues and games of pool. Kansas City barbecue and ribs. I mean, I would love that too. Joe Henning actually formerly Curtis Axel. Can't go by that name anymore. He has spoken at length about how accommodating Harley was to younger talent, which is great. So if you were training out of his school, he'd just invite you over for a home-cooked meal. I think that's incredible. That's, yeah, he just he sounds like the toughest guy ever, but with, like, with a big heart. Definitely. Heart of gold. I love that. That's kind of one of my favorite characteristics in a human being, a big tough guy who just, uh, you want to hug. Yeah, Harley Race gets revenge on Owen Hart. Mm. There we go. Harley Race in a purple and gold king's crown wearing a purple and fur royal robe. King Harley doesn't take too kindly to pranks. Nope. That seems obvious. Owen initially pranked Race by replacing a bottle of barbecue sauce with a bottle of the hottest of hot sauces at one of Harley's infamous barbecues. Uh, in reprisal, 
King Harley probably went a step too far when he tasered Hart backstage at a subsequent Raw. Uh, it was obviously meant to be the classic handshake prank where the prankster has a buzzer concealed in his palm to give his victim a small shock. But instead of a buzzer, Race had a taser of sorts, <laughs> Jesus. which apparently he did carry around uh, on the regular. He's Owen's not the only victim of that, but apparently Owen just dropped to the floor and was knocked unconscious. Jesus. I mean, do you really want to try him? I wouldn't. Try try Harley or try Owen? Because I wouldn't try either of them. No, I wouldn't try either of them. But Harley, I mean, you have Harley who has a right hand and a left hand that are lethal. And then, of course, he has a <laughs> taser as well. That's just for fun at that point. Yeah, I'm sure you had heard about the taser. I've, I've heard a lot of stories about this taser. You don't mess with the taser, Owen. No kidding. And he was very close with the Hart family as well, too. Uh, something that I do recall back when Chris Benoit and Bret Hart competed in that tribute match for Owen, it was actually Harley Race that introduced the match. Oh, really? Yeah, back in WCW. Uh, look at that. I should check that out. I believe, I think it was uh, like September or October of 1999, but I remember Harley being there, and it showed just such class and respect for the Hart family. Yeah, there, I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of commentary by the Hart's in this uh, in this article here. Bret Hart on how Harley Race took him under his wing when Harley Race came to Atlanta to defend the NWA World Heavyweight Title. He took me under his wing, me being Bret, insisting I ride with him. He always bought me a few beers for the drive, and he never let me pay for meals. Mm. Buzz couldn't believe his eyes when he saw me riding with the world champion. And after that, I was treated well by everyone. That's pretty amazing. And I know he did have a soft spot for Brett. He took his side after the screw job, showed his support. But also the thing, too, is that he brought Brett into his school, same with Terry Funk and some others, to really help train or at least talk to some of his students as well. So obviously held Brett in very high regard. That says a lot that he could uh, that he could see what was in Brett from from you know, when he, Brett was so young and to be able to foresee that under the right tutelage, he would get as far as he did. No kidding. And I do know that in Brett's autobiography, I've read it so many times. He noted that during darker times, he would always reach out to Harley for support and guidance. And he was always direct and honest with responses, which is super important. But furthermore, just to show you how close they were, he noted that Harley was like a father to him and almost like a son to his father. So almost like a, a father uncle type deal. Right. That's the heart of gold. Look yeah. at that. You don't you don't find that in a lot of big tough men. So No. So beautiful thing. Yeah, it's amazing. And then Dr. Tom Pritchard, as we know, brother of Bruce Pritchard. So mm-hmm. he had this to say about Harley Race and screw jobs well before Montreal. I'm sure at some point we'll even cover Wendy Richter and the fabulous yeah, Moolah. I mean, that, that was a big screw job that too. Day. Oh, God. So here's what he had to say. Harley Race was a tough guy. No doubt about that in my eyes. I'm sure we can agree there. I thought all wrestlers had to be tough just to deal with the lifestyle, which, again, they totally are. I had the pleasure of spending a few days at Harley's house, and that was in Eldon, Missouri, during a camp with Les Thatcher, and that was years ago. So Harley and his wife, BJ, along with Les, they were out with his wife, Alice. Uh, I guess that was Les's wife. Alice. They went out on the lake. They had a great time. They were swapping stories, and he wanted to know about the infamous screw job. So that's what he asked him about. That was with lawman Don Slatton, and he tried to steal the world championship. Don was the promoter 
and he was a legend in West Texas. So he booked a Russian chain match. That's where you go to each corner. You try and touch the corners, and then, of course, you win. We need more of those. Yeah, sure. we do. As the main event for the World Heavyweight Championship between himself and, of course, Harley Race. So in the days before WWE being a dominant organization, the National Wrestling Alliance, NWA, of course, now around. Billy Corgan purchased them. They are on YouTube for free with NWA Power. They had the longest lineage of the real world championship. I mean, they still do. And anyone who held the title during that time would travel from territory to territory defending the belt. And that's why I always say, in terms of being a traveling world champion, I believe Harley, from an NWA World Heavyweight Championship standpoint, was the best. But either way, prior to the match against Slatin, uh, Harley got a call from then-president Bob Geigel, and he was telling him to watch his back because the lawman was looking to steal the title. So, of course, Harley said, I'm good, Geigel. I'll be fine. No such thing would ever take place, much less be attempted. That's what he promised him, although it was attempted. Mm. Both men would be chained together. This was by about a 10-foot chain. So there was a little bit of wiggle room, but not a lot. And the only way to win is to drag your opponent around the ring, touch all four corners in succession. That's basically it. Apparently, this was Lawman's specialty match. (laughs) <laughs> that's a weird specialty i know match. that's a weird one that's Imagine like me- that, touching four corners being your specialty or that's like saying punjabi prison match that's my match yeah. that's my jam uh, right you can't beat me at that yeah not that a coffin match is like <laughs> oh not not less weird ambulance that's match is my specialty i'm gonna put you in an ambulance <laughs> and kill you as it drives you to a local facility <laughs> that's what i'm good at yeah so he never lost one apparently so no problem You know, the thing to do is this is where the champ would squeeze by. This was the wild, wild west back in the day. So he tried to pull a fast one. He simply, quote unquote, forgot what was supposed to happen, which is total bullshit, obviously, is that you don't just forget and have a lapse of judgment and think, oh, no, I touched all four corners. I guess I win. (laughs) That's it. And Harley goes, what the hell are you doing? So when the time came for the finish, that's what happened. He slipped. Whoops. And he touched all four corners. Like in a weird, I don't know why I'm picturing some weird comedic Cirque du Soleil style. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and then, therefore, he wins the match in the world title. Harley wasn't that stupid, though. So he immediately took the chain off the wrist. He went back to the locker room, dragged him back out, threw him into the ring, proceeded to wrap the chain around him and touch all four corners. So at that point, there's no doubt in anybody's mind who the world champion was. So they tried, they tried to screw Harley Race. Dr. Tom Pritchard here was saying, hey, I admired a lot of people throughout the years, but this convinced me, along with many other examples and stories, that he was one of the toughest men on God's green earth. Screw jobs, yes, they were around before Montreal. And even in this day and age, you never know what's going to happen. So, wow, weird story with the Russian this, chain match. This all sounds like a work. I don't believe it. I don't yeah. know. It's a big work. Imagine if Brett just didn't take it and just decided to like literally just beat the hell out of Sean after that. You know? I just read a story recently and it was an interview where Undertaker felt he could have got more involved and Brett would have dropped the title to him, which I actually agree with as well is that Brett would have dropped it to anybody but Sean, but Vince was so obsessed with Sean winning. That was his only answer. Basically, that was a, that was his man. That was his guy. And I don't know if Billy Corgan's ever going to come up on here again, but uh, one day, if we talk about Billy Corgan again, I got to tell a story about how I've uh, seen his penis in uh, real life. And so that's a tease. I'll oh tell you. Stay God. tuned. 
do a future podcast where I address this story. So normally we would talk about stories off air. That's one where I am not, and we're going to leave that alone. But I am a long time <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins fan, guard. so I'm kind of morbidly intrigued by this. But there's another Stay weird. Tuned, <laughs> there's another weird scenario as well too that kind of popped up. I thought it showed a lot of class and respect as well too. So during Harley Race's birthday. Apparently, CM Punk, who has remained straight edge, as we know, no drugs, no alcohol, he'll only take prescription medication, and this has been for decades, since he's been a teenager, he took a shot of alcohol out of respect for Harley Race and even tattooed the legend on his body. Wow, look at that. Man, that's hard. Breaking your straight edgeness. That's a, that's a lot to ask. But that's it's for a, Harley Race, right? If you're going to do it for anybody, it's got to be Harley. Because he said one shot's not going to kill me, and it's Harley Race. If you yeah, if you're going to do it for anybody, that's it. And you know what's got to hurt? I don't know if you know this, but uh, apparently, you know, this most respected man, uh, this tough man, he apparently does not like Kenny Omega. He's he's has it out too. for him, and, or had had it out for him, I guess. And that's that's got to be a hard pill to swallow for. Uh, one of the biggest guys in the game right now. Yeah, that's disappointing. Was there any particular reason as to why? I've read some of the rumors about it. Something about I think they were he was in a camp with him or something, and uh, he just wasn't living up to the other guys, so he put him in like the B side of the camp, like the the like lesser good guys, and then that just created a bit of friction, and apparently that never went away. But that's decades ago. I mean, we could go harp on Michael Jordan for not making you know, his sophomore basketball team, but look at him. He's the greatest right. of all time, and I'm not exactly. putting Kenny Omega into that category, but of course he's dramatically improved, and he's been a big match machine in Japan, and of course he's found his stride in North America and AEW as well. He's, he's amongst my upper echelon, I'll tell you that. Wow, there you go. So <laughs> this concludes yet another episode of the Pro Wrestling Stories podcast, Tales of Tenacity and Strength, Harley Race, a man's man, somebody I respect more than virtually anybody else in the entire professional wrestling business. Sincerely hope that you join us for future episodes. We have some great ideas popping up all over the map, and we'll dive deep into the archives. Oh, we are. And we'll bring these articles to life in audio form. We'll have some fun along the way. Listen and subscribe. Follow Pro Wrestling Stories on Facebook at Pro Wrestling Stories and on Twitter, PWS underscore official. If you want to add a t-shirt to your collection, do it now. Do it now. Stop by PWSTs.com. Use the promo code podcast for 10% off your order. And if you leave us a review, you could win a t-shirt off of PWSTs.com. From Chris Toplack, Corey Rivard, happy trails to you. Until we meet again.